0: It's the Paddle Woo Podcast. What's up, paddle freaks? This is Eric. I am your host of the PaddleWoo Podcast. I am talking to you today from Costa Rica, where I live and where I surfed this morning, and it was fun. I almost broke my board, did break my leash, and had a very long swim, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, That's what you get when it is bigger and low tide and you're trying to protect your board. You uh, sometimes take a swim. But it was fun. Today, we are jumping right into the show. Our guest is Dave Bainey, and he probably does not need an introduction for our audience, but he is the head designer and shaper at Infinity Sup. He is the team manager for the Speed Freaks, the Infinity Speed Freaks. He won an ISA gold medal this year in Sayulita on Team USA, Uh, and he produced probably the only real surf movie for our sport, which is Sup Pirates. Um, So we learn about all of that today on the podcast. He explains where he got his nickname, the Brown Blur. Uh, We talk about design a good bit. Um, I really... Uh, like what he's doing, some of the directions that he is heading with his design. And so he kind of is really open with what he's experimenting with and how he sees things, where it's all headed. Uh, That volume, fin placement, the whole thing. It's great. Uh, He talks about the surf industry a little bit and his background in it, how he came up, what he learned working for some bigger surf brands, Etnies, uh, one of them. So it is a one of my favorite episodes. I think I say that every week, but it usually is. Uh, Dave's got a lot of good stories. It makes for a good show. Um, So let's jump into it. Dave, thank you very much for being on the show today. How are you,
1: Eric? What's up, man? Good to hear from you. And uh, no, I'm stoked. And you know what? I forgot to tell you earlier, you're going to be stoked. I'm coming in hot to do this interview. I'm actually in my van.
0: In your van. Where at?
1: I, in my parking lot at the shop because it's too noisy and there's too many grommets and weird stuff happening in the shop. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go off the grid, so to speak, in my van and, you know, get more into it. Cause I know you're, you're calling me from the coconut line down in Costa Rica. So I figure I should go off the grid in the parking lot in my van.
0: I love it, man. I've done a couple from the car in front of the beach here down at Garza Bay where oh. I live.
1: I love that. That's right a, on. Yeah.
0: All right. That's to nice to kick things off today, you come from a heavy surfing pedigree. Why don't you fill us in on, on growing up in a surf family and uh your, your history in the sport?
1: Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, um me and my brother definitely were pretty lucky growing up, growing up in a surfing family. Um, you know, my dad and my mom both surfed, they both surf um to this day. <laughs> and um So, um, yeah, my dad started Infinity in 1970. I was born in 1976, so I definitely, I had a surfboard before I knew I had a surfboard kind of thing, you know, and um, just like everybody, I got photos of my dad taking me surfing before we could walk and things like that, which is super cool, and um, so just grew up going to San Onofre um, every weekend with my parents and watching them tandem surf, and you know, doing that whole thing with my brother. And, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get into surfing like full time, I guess, until about the seventh grade. How old are you then? Is that like it's 12 like, or
0: something? Yeah. Like 13 maybe.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I always surfed throughout those years, but I didn't really get into it where I wanted to be a surfer. Like mom take me every darn day until seventh grade. And, uh, that's when me, and my brother really started getting into it. And, uh, you know it's all about surfing after that you know like and it's funny you know as each year goes by you, you have these little goals you know and my biggest goal is to make the dana hills surf team you know as a freshman and um you know dana hills has such like a rich history of surfers going through there that program you know like pat o'connell and mike Crickshank and vinnie de la pena like you know just all these industry stalwarts these days you know and, and I remember being being there, being a freshman, and they were only going to take four people on the team that year um, for freshmen because it was so stacked in the, in the other grades. So it was like super stressful, meant everything to me, you know, and whatever, and, you know, made the team, and that was super fun. And my brother ended up making the team the next year and just, you know, got force-fed into all that, you know, just competing, doing NSSA, and, uh, yeah, just kind of like every Californian kind of kid, you know, who's into it, so... Um yeah, just from there, I um, started competing more and more and wanted to be a professional shortboarder. And, you know, I did that kind of thing for about five years and um, competed on a longboard. Um, guys like me and Colin McPhillips and Jeff Moisa were kind of these crossover shortboard guys that we really wanted to be professional shortboarders, but we were better at longboarding. <laughs> you know? And so we'd go to all the same WQS events, and compete in shortboarding, and then compete in longboarding. But we do way better than the longboard, you know. It was, it was pretty classic, and um, and uh, yeah. So just did that, and um, eventually, like a lot of guys, got got a job with one of my sponsors and started doing some marketing and working at the family surf shop, and and then SUP came along. So that's kind of like the timeline for me, and yeah,
0: it's been super fun. Where did you work? Uh, outside of infinity
1: um well you know i worked at infinity when i was like 15 years old and just meeting all the reps that come in and everything like that um Isn't that the coolest
0: job ever when you're 15 oh working man, at a surf shop?
1: yeah it's so cool i mean you get you know all the cool guys come to the shop they want to hang out and you know you know everybody down at the beach and you know especially my parents owning the shop is just it was just so cool and you know all my friends would just hang out there and you know all the local pros would walk in like at that time, you know, Pat O'Connell was riding for us and, you know, back in the day. And he's just like a legend around here. And it was so fun, super fun, just, you know, idolizing these guys. And, um, yeah,
0: it it, it was killer. And so then what are your other jobs in the industry?
1: Oh yeah. So from there, you know, I just started meeting. Um, I've always been into marketing and design and, and graphics and things like that. So, you know, a rep would come in or someone from the different companies yeah, i just picked their brain about things like how to get involved with stuff and eventually i got a little repping job with uh, ezekiel clothing so i got to i got to work with uh, vince de la pena who's you know one of the mastermind marketeers in the surf industry and uh, a couple of good sales guys like greg austis who are really kind of big mentors in my life and so from there just kind of snowballed started doing marketing for ezekiel which was super cool because i got to got to do, like I was a skate team manager and the surf team manager and the music manager. So I got to see all sides of it, you know, and it was from like a small creative company that, you know, had small budgets. So you had to get creative and use small budgets to make big impacts and just learned a lot there. And from there, um, I got, uh, I actually worked for Matt Violis at Lost for about a year. And then, um, from there, I actually got a job at Etnies and Etnies at the time was probably the biggest footwear brand and um, they were really into surf, and that was an incredible experience. I got to work with um, like the Malloys and um, Anthony Tashnick, Jamie O'Brien, and Mason Ho, and just a bunch of rad guys, and that was like the heyday of surf, you know, my budget was huge, and surfing was awesome, and we just went on these rad trips, and that was really cool, and it was, it was super cool being, being that it was a skateboard brand, because, you know, they just think so much different than surf brands, I think, um, personally, and um, so yeah, so I, all that stuff's fun to come circle back and work full time on my own brand affinity and kind of apply what I learned. And what was the um,
0: biggest lesson that you learned from your time at Etnies and, um, with the big budget honestly, and the whole
1: thing? Yeah, I, I think it's just, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's just being authentic, being authentic, you know, not trying to force something that your brand isn't. And, um, really just trying to make an impact without money, you know, money's great and everything and, and makes things a lot easier. But if you don't have as big as budgets forces, you to get a little more creative and, and in some ways have a little more fun. And, um, even etnies had these giant budgets, you know, and they would definitely go extravagant on certain things. Um, it was always about like the smaller creative kind of grassrootsy things. And, um, that's always more the more of the fun stuff anyway. So, um yeah, I would just I would just say like, you know, authenticity, um being true to what the brand really is and um keeping it on the path, you know. And um yeah, they're, they're, how
0: yeah, would you define fun. how would you define Infinity as a brand then? What is the essence of Infinity?
1: Um <laughs> Infinity's funny because it's tricky, right? Like we're we've been around and surf so long. Um you know, my dad's always been a type of person you know he's just open-minded so you know shortboards, longboards, long boards wave ski tandem board you know you name it you know he's made them and and so it's kind of it's kind of hard to be like a cool shortboard brand and then you know you make these kind of dorky wave skis but you know the wave skis things do such cool things for people you know we have people who can't walk surfing on these things and compete in the isa world games and stuff and it's just incredible and i've always kind of admired that about my dad it's just like a well-rounded, just California surf brand. And now that SCPs becomes, you know, important, um, you know, it's a tough balance because, you know, the surf and, and paddle thing is just, you know, it's kind of like rollerblading and skateboarding was, you know, it's like, there's a lot of people doing both, a lot of people loving both, but there is that weird animosity and, um, it's a tough thing to balance for sure. But, um,
0: where do you think that animosity comes from?
1: Uh, Honestly, I, I think the root of it, at least in surfing, is a lot of people will stand up paddling when you first start is easier than surfing. I mean, you could surf for years and never be good. You know, it's just one of those things that's weird. Like I know, I know top grade athletes, you know, that can't surf, but they are so good at basketball or, you know, something about it. It's just, it's just one of those things and learn it in 15 minutes, you know, and, I think a lot of people started surfing and were introduced to surfing through paddling. So of course they're going to go out where they see surfers and they haven't really figured out um, the lineup. You know, it's a big board and, you know, they haven't practiced somewhere safer and, you know, they're just going out to have fun because they see that's where the surfers are. And, you know, then the whole etiquette and unwritten rules and everything like that come into play. And it's those big board beginner guys that give SUP a bad name. And it's unfortunate because it's the rider. It's not, sport right you know i mean there could be a jerk bodyboard in the lineup there could be a jerk longboard in the lineup there could be a jerk shortboard in the lineup but you know you're an easy target when you have a big old board and paddle and you know yep. <laughs> you might be looking a little goofy but i think <laughs> that's what it is is just uh you know just not knowing yep.
0: you know what advice and, uh, what advice would you have for someone who's a flat water paddler right now who wants to get into the ocean uh two pieces of advice before they do it
1: um, absolutely. Give it a go. Cause that's the most fun part is riding a wave. I mean, <laughs> riding waves is incredible. I don't care what you're riding. If you catch a wave, it's a whole different world, but, um, stay up to the side. One hundred percent. Stay up to the side, you know, get familiar with surroundings, um, and get decent to where you can control your board and you're not going to hurt anybody and, and scare people. And that's probably rule number one. Rule number two is, you know, just, uh, take your turn you know even at san onofre where we're all paddlers in the, in the in the in the zone a wave comes all 15 guys are turning around and going you know <laughs> it, it's just it's incredible it's like you can sit on the beach and see it like there's not one unridden wave that goes by you know and um it could get annoying just you know just that uh your local break you know I, you know just uh <laughs> knowing a lot of people and my dad down there and stuff like you know i pick and choose my waves i try not to hog and everything but i mean man it doesn't it doesn't go the other way you know Paddlers just seem to froth out and want to catch every wave so i I would say you know take your turn have fun get in line and uh and uh everybody be less stressed out and have more fun that's for sure
0: (laughs) oh and split the peak split the peak (laughs) so you can go left
1: well, hey, I'll take a right these days, it's getting so crowded, but <laughs> if you want to serve up a left, I'll take it, but Split the Peak, it's so annoying when there's a perfect right and left, and the guy just wants to go to keep you
0: off the wave, so share a wave. <laughs> when, did you, when were you first exposed to stand-up, what was your first encounter?
1: Um, yeah, well, my dad started fooling around with it, um, I think in 2004, and at that time, at least in our town, the first guys I remember seeing doing it was ron house and jerry lopez and that was down at san onofre and um just my dad having that spirit of trying everything you know he's like you know we saw those guys and later that day he he made this paddle you know and started paddling on a tandem board and you know i I didn't think two things about it i was like wow that that just looks really goony so you know I, i stayed away from it you know my dad just loved it he kept doing it and kept talking about it and i just never did it you know i was just short border person and uh <laughs> and uh so eventually he got us on it in flat water and it's kind of fun when it's flat you know you go explore and check it out but that gets boring and then also you know you want to try to catch a wave so we take it when it was flat you're like wow it's fun and you know you're surfing for three four hours now i falling in the water and and you're actually surfing mostly those days we wouldn't even go out because it was flat and and then eventually you want to get better catch bigger waves and you want to turn better so then it's just started progressing and Um, and I didn't really, I kind of got into it semi-accident, you know, um, that movie H2 Indo started brewing, um, the idea of it. And, um, you know, fortunately at that time I, I was kind of writing smaller boards and everything, and there wasn't a lot of guys doing that quite yet. And so I got invited on that trip, you know, with with Chuck and Kalama and Jamie and Connor and everything. And, um, that kind of forced me into, doing more sub things, because from that trip, I got invited on another trip, and then, you know, I got a photo in the magazine, and all of a sudden, I got a sponsor, and my sponsor wants me to do this, and then I'm like, hey, I guess, I, guess I'm guess i kind of like a sponsored paddler now, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't mind, I was having a ton of fun, and um, it's really just kind of snowballed from there, and just like everybody else, I got hooked, and uh, paddled a ton, surf a ton, and, and it's been awesome.
0: When when did you really first see someone surfing a paddleboard at a performance level? And who was it? Um,
1: well, yeah, I mean, back then it was just a lot of nose riding and things like that. And um, it's uh, kind of an interesting fact is uh, my dad in 2006, we did the very first sup surf event in California, I think in America, um, uh, maybe not Hawaii might have done it before, but I know in California for sure, it was, we called it the, uh, I can't remember it was the San Onofre Cup or Classic or something, but we did it, and it was at Old Man's, and um, sponsored by Infinity, and there was 12 of us in it. And um, it was the first sub-surf competition. And I remember I competed on a ten oh single fin. Um, Chuck Patterson was in the event. Um, Bryce and TJ um, Samen, um <laughs> kind of Chuck's little protégés back then. Um, Scott Bass, who was a big advocate for SUP in the, in the beginning. And, you know, I think he's like, you know, he does some editing for Surfer Magazine and he, he also does the boardroom show. Um, and a couple other guys, like a couple of Hawaiians and stuff like that. But I remember, um, uh, I think Chuck won and I think I got third or something like that. But yeah, we're all on huge boards and in the middle of old man's where you can't, you're not even allowed to paddle surf anymore. And, um, there's this one guy that worked for me at the shop. His name is Ryan Franz. Doesn't paddle surf anymore at all, but he got into it for a hot second. He did the event. And at that time he was riding the smallest board we made. I think it was a nine four or something. And he was just doing these carves and just kind of hitting the lip differently, you know? And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, um, so from then on out is just how, how fast can we get smaller parts? So like I went from my ten o to my nine, eight to my nine, Oh, to an eight ten, you know, eight, five. Um, so it, in a funny way, I, I think Ryan friends, if you're out there, buddy, you're the first one I saw do a proper turn on a sub. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, what's your role in infinity? How many hats do you wear?
1: Ooh, well, you know, we're, we're one of the smaller guys, so there's not many of us. And so all of us wear a bunch of different hats, but, um, um, you know, it's a f- family run business. It's, it really is my dad, myself, and my mom who pretty much run the business. My brother is involved with the shortboards and stuff, but, um, you know, he was smart and went and got a real job that makes real money. He's, he's doing dental and, uh, you know, uh, oral surgery and stuff and shaping he, he does for fun. Um and then while, while me, and my mom, and my dad kind of slug it out at the shop here. <laughs> but um, I guess my main role would be um, I'm pretty much like the creative director. So, um, you know, all the marketing, the branding, um, and really all the designing in um, the surf stuff um, for SCP and the race boards. Um, my brother's highly involved in the shortboard stuff, and obviously my dad in, in the sub thing as well. Um, but I'm kind of the one who makes it all make sense, you know, and, uh, you know, with that, you know, your team manager, your, you know, your shop manager, your, the trash taker outer, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I guess I would be called as the creative director if that's why I wanted to just sound fancy.
0: When did the, the blur come about? What's the story uh, behind that?
1: Yeah, that, that story's, uh, I don't know if it's funny or not, but it's an interesting <laughs> one. Um, Uh, it's not probably not as cool as people want it to be, but um, it basically stems from um, surfing salt Creek. Um, There's this local guy named Bill young and he's just like a loud guy. Everybody loves him. Huge guy, funny, you know, just takes up on the biggest waves, you know, eats it, whatever. He's just bill, you know, and this one day is super, super big or just a big day at salt Creek and where the big left is coming in. And I took up on one of the bigger sets and, bill drops in on me and i'm like oh, okay that's bill and i just like you know i just went right around him because i wanted to make the section and he comes back out and there's a lull in the lineup and so it's all quiet and i'm, I'm yelling across the lineup i'm like, bill i'm like, how's that way bro you know just kind of give him a give him a little hassle and he's like oh man it was killer only problem was is so man i dropped in and this brown blur just went by me and everyone starts <laughs> you know, everyone just starts cracking up because he didn't, you know, he didn't realize it was me or whatever. He was just like, all I saw was this Brown blur and everyone's just kind of cracking up. And then everyone just started calling me the Brown blur from them. And then it kind of take, it kind of started taking off more because, you know, it's no secret. I'm a fan of Bigfoot and, uh, you know, the whole allure of, of Bigfoot and everything. And, um, you know, Bigfoot's blurry and Brown, you know, and then, and, uh, Just since since SUP, I've just traveled a lot. You know, I'm never in the same spot. You know, I'm just doing a lot of stuff, and it's been super cool. And so it's just all that together. You know, I'm the brown blur. (laughs) It's like this fictitious mythical creature.
0: I like it. Uh, (laughs) And that was a funny story. Um, All right, (laughs) let's talk design for a little bit because I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are listening right now that want to stop small talk and get into some technical stuff. So. um let's see let's start off with how you approach shaping a paddleboard
1: yeah um well i think if i'm making a board for somebody you know it's just it's kind of just uh you know what do they want out of it right like are they trying to replace a favorite board in the quiver are they trying to add to the quiver are they trying to you know progress push themselves you know what do they want out of that board you know and um hopefully there's something in my line already that kind of they're a little more drawn to, you know, and that's where the design process starts working with somebody. Um, And then, you know, then it just comes into how, you know, their experience and what do they weigh and, and uh, you know, getting the volume right and things like that. Um, But just designing new, new surfboards and and paddleboards um, for me, I, I always, it's probably the least important, but I, I design a lot off aesthetics. You know, I, I want it to look cool to me, and I want to I want to make so, everything I make. It has to. I have to have that feeling that I want to write it. You know, it, uh, otherwise you don't get passionate enough behind it to make it as good as that design could be. If if it's something that you're not really happy with, you know, why make it? So, aesthetics is a huge thing for me. You know, and and um, I just like clean lines and like looking at it, you know, and, you know, I'm influenced by weird stuff like furniture and architecture and, you know, and things like that, you know, and um I just like it to look clean and I want to look at it and go, dang, I want to ride that thing. Um, so aesthetics is, is, is huge for me. And then obviously all the other things that go into it, you know, you got to stand on it, you know, you want it to turn and all that good stuff. And that, that's, what's fun about making custom stuff. You really can do whatever you want.
0: Let's start with your production or production for you guys models. So you've got the blur, you've got the, <laughs> the, the TL. Yeah. Um, what are your other boards and, and if describe your line a little bit, as far as the differences between the, the boards, who should be looking at what board?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we have a fairly small line, you know, cause we don't, we don't cover the whole spectrum of, you know, touring and yoga and, you know, a lot of the flat water stuff, you know, we're definitely a performance brand. So, you know, performance race boards, um, if I make a touring board, I'm going to make it fast. You know, there's no reason to just make a wide touring board and call it touring board. I, you know, I can make a a stable, wide <laughs> race board, you know. Um, and the, the surf stuff, um, yeah, it's just whatever kind of kind of people are starting to look for, the trends and, and things like that. And, you know, so, you know, the blur is kind of like our most progressive shortboard style board, you know, with a pointy nose and looks like a shortboard, you know, just if you look, first look at it. And then the round nose blur is kind of like, a newer one that bridges the gap between a short board and more of like a, you know, mini Simmons shape that a lot of people are doing. And
0: would that be a little bit wider than the blur a little bit shorter?
1: Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's not necessarily wider, but you could definitely go shorter. And the reason why is because the outline's more linear, it's more parallel. So it just keeps the wide point of the board longer. So you're getting where I find where, where you get a lot of the stability is not necessarily the middle of the board, it's more from the nose and the tail. And um, so I've got guys riding thin boards, you know, narrow boards like 23, 22s and a halves. And they're able to stand on it just like it was a 24, or 25, just be, from the outline alone, you know. Um, so with SUP, that's been super important and super fun. Um, so that's what the R&B is. It kind of bridges that gap. It uh, allows you to ride a smaller board
0: with your same width. Um, How's that going to feel comparatively? So how's the blur going to feel when you're doing a turn versus the the round nose?
1: Yeah, well, I'd say the blur it has more of a pulled-in tail, right? It has that more continuous curve, more traditional. So I like to ride the blur when the when the waves are a little bit more um, hollow, a um, little bit more, um, you know, like if I, if I go to a reef break and it's kind of, you know, just a little bit more hollow, a little more fast and more power, I'll ride that more pulled-in tail. Um, the round nose blur could definitely ride it, um, but, you know, you're just a little more sure-footed with it, a little bit more pulled-in tail. And the round-nose blur, um, for every every day use, that's my go-to board. And um, when you're able to go shorter, so, you know, the swing weight, you and I talked about that a little bit. The swing weight just feels different. You know, once you start getting short an inch, two inches, three inches, it feels it makes a big difference in those paddle boards. And um, so that's, like, the whole purpose behind it is just sh- – shortening the bar to keeping the same volume and building the stability back in. You know, I think that's ultimately what I'm trying to search for. And I think that's where design's going is how short can you go, keeping the same stability, but not sacrificing, you know, not, not turning into a dish pan, you know, still being sure footed and reacting how you want it to.
0: Uh, what are your thoughts on volume and how far folks are pushing that now?
1: Um, well, volumes, volumes crazy. Cause you know, when you think of stand up paddle and you think about being comfortable on it, you know, staying up upright the whole time, you know, having this great session, you know, I picture a, a guy in a silhouette posing there with his paddle, you know. <laughs> but like performance, everybody's gonna push it. And you know, every, everyone's gonna push it where you know guys are sinking up to their waist, no problem at all. And um, they just turn better, you know, there's no secret about that, you know, so volume is it's it's just it's just one of those things I, I'm running really into a case because you know that's all we do pretty much is make custom boards where, you know, average guys are really wanting to get smaller boards because they see these guys on it and in the back of my mind I'm like man, you really shouldn't be on that board but you know at the end of the day they want that's what they want to buy so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make what you want me to make but there's a there's a lot of guys getting boards too small these days.
0: Um, you What's know, too small to find that a little bit?
1: I just think you know. I mean, when does it turn into stand-up paddle wave catching?
0: You know, like yeah, you know,
1: there's. I mean, half of my buddies all bet these guys. I tell them all the time, dude, you should get a bigger board. Like, can they catch a wave on it and and ride? Yeah, they can. But are they prone paddling through the sets every time? Yep. You know, are they are they sitting down in between the in between sets. Yeah, they are. Um, and guys, guys who I'm talking about are, are maybe guys who didn't really learn all the fundamental. You know what I mean? They didn't learn the fundamentals yet. That they could on a on a easier board to ride, and they want to push it and get these smaller boards because that's what everyone's doing. And I think they're getting better slower, you know, because they're not on 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 just like a more stable easier board paddle. And once you get the fundamentals down, sure push yourself. But I mean, I'm just like everybody else. Like you know, (laughs) when I was a kid, wanted to learn to surf. All my friends better me have these short boards. My dad wanted to put me on the fun board, but hell no, I'm going to get a short board. You know, <laughs> so that's just what it is, and um, it it's one of those things. So, it, it you know, whatever could float you can catch a wave. That's what that's where like the top guys are going, and just because the performance level goes through the roof.
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I I talk about it all the time on the show, and I experiment with volume all the time, and I've landed now at about. I ride a 7.4 starboard at 78 liters, and I ride um, a Hobie at 86 liters, 85, Colin said after yep. he sanded it down. And yep. I, I bet that I catch twice as many waves on the Hobie versus the starboard. Yep. And I can paddle the starboard. It's not like I'm not paddling it. I can paddle it. Um, but just range, uh, tiredness, just being lazy. Once you sit down, you're like, ah, you know, you see a set down on the beach, well, I'll just wait for one to come to me. Uh, And so I've really started gravitating towards the bigger board and um, it's going to be fun to play with that a little bit. The next thing I want to explore, and I want to hear your thoughts on this is volume versus surface area. Like what if you had Mm -hmm. a, you know, a nine Oh by 27 at 60 liters, could you paddle it? You know, if you had all that surface area, I mean, where does that come into play? Because I feel like on that that new board that I've got with it being a seven, six, twenty six and a half, I feel like there's a lot of surface area at play when I'm paddling it. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I mean as far as like mathematical ratios and all that stuff, that I don't know, you know. Right. But um that's something I pay attention to definitely. Um if I could if I can help it, I rarely make a board thicker than four inches, you know. Obviously if a guy is two fifty or something, you can't do that. But um it, uh it's really a pet peeve to make a board over a performance board over four inches for me. Um, there are some occasions where it could go like four and a quarter, you know, if the guy really wants a dome deck or a tapered rail, of course, you know, but, um, yeah, uh, you could definitely stretch out a board and, and hide volume. You know, that's a, that's definitely a, a design aspect that's important to SEP is hiding volume. And, um, it's true. Like, I mean, are you really going to do that much crazier of a turn riding a 7.6 opposed to a 7.4? Probably not, you know? Um, so I think there is kind of a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say there's a resurgence, but there are there are guys that are, you know, they have their, like, really small, minimalistic board that that's where the threshold is, that maybe they ride when it's closed out or, you know, they're in the mood for and or maybe competing on. And then there's their other board that, you know, it's a little bumpier, you know, maybe it's a longer paddle out and they just want to go, go catch a lot of waves and rip. And I see a lot of that guys are, guys are starting to get a quiver. You know, there's not any more one board quivers, you know, guys who are into it, you know, are having two, three, four boards to kind of cover all those bases. Um, and yeah, it's cool. You could get a bigger board, and make it thinner. Absolutely. And it's going to work better.
0: Yeah. And I think that when we were talking at some point, you said that at this point you feel like there's not even a lot of basis maybe i'm misquoting quoting this but behind the race to get smaller and smaller and smaller, it's just that the other guys are doing it so the the yeah. competition just everybody wants to be on what the smallest board is right now and and yeah. maybe, maybe performance maybe the sport's just evolving and the best guys are riding the smallest boards, so they're doing the best turns but if they were a couple inches bigger maybe they'd still be doing the same turns it's just that all the best guys now are on the smallest equipment
1: yeah and that's absolutely it you know we're gonna you know, the good guys who are ripping are, are the leaders, you know, and you're going to, people are going to watch what they're doing, you know, and, and that's like Mo's and the Georgios and Zane. you know, Kyle and all that. And, um, you know, if Mo wins a contest and he's up to his waist, you know, people are going to go, wow. Okay. Hmm. You know, they're going to take note of it. Um, you know, a good example is Kyle Lenny. Kyle Lenny, his boards are, they're definitely really small and thin, um, but he's not up to his waist. And I mean, you know, he was, wins world titles on that board, so, yep. Um, you know, it's super interesting, and and uh, and I think you're absolutely right. it's a new it's a new sport, it's evolving so fast. Everyone's just kind of just stoked to try everything, and and that's what's happening.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's some folks that are starting to go the other way too. I mean, I Kiahi actually yep. uh, did the show yesterday. It's going to come out after yours, but it, it'll be a week later. So, like next week at some cool. point, Kiyahi's show is going to come out, but. He's he's riding a ninety liter board now. Um, yeah. He's loving it. It's a uh, seven eight 90 liters, and you know yep. he's just having a lot more fun. He's saying surfing it. So yep. uh, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe makes sense. Well, you know, you get a guy like that win a couple contests on a bigger board, and maybe everybody starts thinking about it a little bit.
1: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, that reminds yeah. me of this, like the surf tech shootout, um, that competition up at that uh, steamer land. I remember this uh, it was a couple of years ago. I actually, I actually ended up winning the event, which is cool. But I remember Chuck Glynn was in, in the in the competition, and, and he just said, "Screw it, I'm riding a 9.0 board." You know, everybody was on these short, small boards. You know, um, and uh, he's I'm riding a 9.0 this whole competition. And he made the final, and um, in the final, I remember he caught. He's able to out paddle you. You know, when the waves are big and it's a far paddle and everything. I mean, he's catching twice as many waves. He's getting into the spot paddle ballet and making it happen and um i remember he got the first wave of the set and it kind of went quiet so we're all sitting back out there you're like oh man there's no sets and everything and finally another set comes and as i turn around there's chuck he's already back and then he kind of like weasels in and gets inside and gets the next set and i'm just like oh my gosh how do I do not even like deal with this guy <laughs> and um and so so then i got the next wave and then now and my my way wasn't as long, so I pulled out before him, right? And I'm like, okay, I gotta make it back out there because no one's out there. I'm gonna be the first one. Here comes the set, and I'm like, just sprinting. And on um, that year, I was running a seven seven twenty five. So I'm just sprinting, like, and it's like windy, warbly, and just big. And Chuck just puts the hammer down, makes it back out there, gets the next set again. And I was like, that really like opened my eyes. I'm all, wow, he's just, oh man, it was just, it was just crazy. So. Someone like Yahi, he, he might be thinking that, like, hey, I could out-paddle people. Yep. I'm not going to fall off when I'm battling. And, you know, I could get just, you know, I could be a little more aggressive. So yep. good on him. That's awesome. And yep. I think, you know, Colin did the same thing at, at the last contest. Rode a bigger board and he ripped.
0: Killed so. it, yeah. And Noah Janella said the same thing on the show. He rides a bigger board because he wants to win those paddle battles. So, as a follower of uh, what you guys are doing online and posting up, I am noticing some new technologies like the ASIM tail. Can you explain that, and then maybe go into some other stuff you're working on?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah. You know, just doing the custom thing is super fun because we're always trying different stuff. And really, it's just like resurrecting things we've already done in SERP, you know, and like kind of oh, let's apply it to SUP and see how that feels, or see what you know how that's working and. Um, the asymmetric tail, um, has been super fun. You know, it's definitely something I, I didn't invent invent at all. Um, um, but it's something I've been kind of really into and, um, it's one of those things you just got to try it. It does feel a little different and I really like them. And, um, my dad used to make an asymmetric longboard like in the early nineties and that's kind of where I was first exposed to it. And, um, so yeah, I just kind of went from there, you know, kind of went off his little design and kind of you know, changed a little bit for SCP. And basically what I'm doing is just your sh- it gives you an opportunity to, you know, shorten the rail line on one side of the board. So um, on the heel side, that's the side I shorten at least, um, you know, it could be anywhere from three to six inches shorter on that side. Um, the one I'm currently riding is about three. So, like, I, I have a 7.3 board that I kind of ride most of the time. And the heel side, um, it's either 6.11 or 7.0 on that side. And then the front on the toe side, it's seven three. And um, you know, we were talking about it earlier, how can we get, you know, more stability and go shorter, but still have that sure footed feel of a of a pulled in tail. And that's what that's giving me. And um, you know, when you think about it, it's a lot easier to, you know, bend your knees and kind of load up and lean forward. You know, that's a natural athletic stance. You know, you do that stance in every every sport you do, basketball, you know, you name it, weightlifting, whatever it is, that's like a proper athletic stance, but it's super hard or awkward to bend your knees and load up and lean back. You know, it's just much more unstable um, because you don't have toes back there, you know? So um, that's all I'm trying to do is just get a little bit of a heel side advantage um, at the bottom of the wave. And, um, you know, a lot of, a big myth is like, oh, that only goes one direction, and it's absolutely incorrect, you know, because you use your heel side, front side and back side, you know, so um, that's one myth that that is unclear. Um, But then there's guys that put the short side on the toe side, like my dad, you know, that's his theory. And, um, you know, it could be, and actually, I'd never really asked him why, but that's what he does. But it could be maybe you know he mostly surfs rights, and he wants to have that advantage on his front side, you know just going around the corner on of a wave or something you know I, I I'd have to ask him about that, but for me, it's kind of narrowing the tail um but keeping the the dynamics of that design the same, except kind of tricking it right at the end you know and um that's what it does it 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 just gives you that advantage and it and it feels really nice and um I've experimented with like the you know the fins. You know, a lot of people stagger them or, you know, do different things. So um, it's kind of what you want to get out of the ride. And then it's cool because then you could get creative, right? Because the one side is a totally different board now. You know, so on my heel side, I've been doing kind of more of a thumb round tail. And on the toe side, more of a pointy swallow tail. So what I'm trying to do is get more bite and grip, you know, coming off the bottom on my toe side. Um, And then on my heel side, I'm just trying to get that quicker kind of smoother reaction when you bottom turn, you know, into your pivot to react, you know, um, that way. And, um, so then I'll do two different exits, um, you know, water exits out the back. So like on my, on my toe side, I'll do like a little V concave. Um, cause the V concave, at least for me just seems to have a little bit more bite, a little more grip. And on the heel side, I'll do like a, a little kissed V and that just rolls over real quick. So you're able to promote things you want to do on each side, which is super fun. So if you look at the board from the tail and you're just lifting it up to your eyes and you look at it, you know, there's a, there's like a <clears> twisted, <throat> twisted little exit of, uh, you know, just, just what's going on down there. And it looks cool, you know, but it, you definitely feel a difference and it's fun. It's like two boards for one.
0: Do you change the rail lines too? Like at the, uh, the rails,
1: the rails are the same but since the board is shorter on one side, it naturally foils thinner, mm-hmm. you know, sooner. Okay. Um, but pretty much from the midpoint on, they're identical, and then it starts exiting differently. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, what you'll see is it's a little thinner on that right-hand side, just naturally.
0: It's not something I do, you know, it just happens. That's pretty neat. I'd like to try one of those. before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned fins there. What do you think about fins for stand-up? um fins are like super
1: super important that's one of the things i worked on for a long time when we we're transitioning from like you know eight fives to sub eight boards and you're talking um, about
0: placement there
1: um placement and shape really okay. um and and size of fins um so placement something we fold around with a lot um you know i had a couple boards with like you know, eight fin boxes in it, you know, cause you're like, ah, oh, what if we put it here, 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 what, what if we move the quads up here, you know, <laughs> instead of making eight different boards, we had eight sets of fin boxes is silly, but, um, yeah, it changes it so much. And the, you know, the tails being wide and stuff, it, it really is crucial. And, um, same with fin size, you know, there's so like a lot of people ride, you know, if you're riding a board in nine O range, eight, five range, you know, a lot of the fins out there are totally, totally, um, perfect for. But if you're starting to get smaller under 80, you, you got to have smaller fins, you know, like shortboard fins. And um so yeah, just started, you know, riding smaller fins, true shortboard fins, um and the placement just to try to get some drive, a little more grip, um things like that. So yeah, it's it's a little little bit of a headache, <laughs> you know, because there's so many different directions you could go, but you know fortunately I've been doing it a little while and I've kind of settled in on my little formula.
0: And and are you putting in mostly uh center box like longboard style center fins?
1: Yeah, yeah, we well, we do a, a lot of five fins. Um and the center box I'll always put a slider in um just cuz like sometimes I'll ride like say I ride the center fin up at 6 inches. You know, that certain boards, when the waves get a little bigger, a little more hollow, you know, I'll put it back to four and a half. You know, it, it, it'll it hold better. It feels different. And um, so I never leave anything kind of to chance. I always, I want all the options, you know, and I think that's cool. And five fin is a good way to go because there's so many fins out there, so many things you could try. And um, I'm a very big advocate of of trying everything you can because um, it really unlocks what that board whatever board you have, it really unlocks what it what it's capable of um with the fins.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of mix and match and try it ten different yeah. ways to figure out what works. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: You'll learn a lot. You learn a lot. Like even if it works crappy, like you kind of learn a lot. You know, you'll learn like, oh, you know what, that fin felt really drawn out and tight. I don't yep. like that. Or, you know, when I put this fin in, wow, that kind of pivots more and, and it's slidey. So you start really to you know, dialing in your board and the way you surf. And like, I could look at a wave and go, okay, this is probably the kind of turns I'm going to do and put that fin in. You know, it's almost like getting Mm -hmm. custom fitted for golf clubs. You know, you can really just, you know, dial it in.
0: Yep. It's funny. I had one of those moments this week in that I've always liked a back fin pretty far back on the tail so you can push really hard. Yeah. And uh, a couple days ago, we're going out to the reef here um, on that, on that board I've got, I moved up the center fin, uh, about three quarters of an inch almost. Yeah. And I was amazed how much faster I was going. I could still yeah. hold bottom turns. I mean, obviously I wasn't putting my foot right on the kicker when I was, when I was, uh, bottom turning, I was putting it more over the front fin. Yep. Um, but then just absolutely able to, to really hit the lip a lot harder and then do the same turn, but throw the tail out a little bit more at the end of it. And, the board feels faster, livelier, the whole thing, and, and I would not if I would have had a glassed-in fin there or a, you know FCS or whatever, I would have definitely told them to put it back farther.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that's a perfect example. Like, I mean, it's you, great. you didn't even move it an it inch, is. and it it, yeah. was, it completely changed the dynamics
0: of the board. So that's cool. Yep. You're about to head on an incredible trip here uh, to Namotu. What are you bringing with you? What are your what's your quiver for the trip?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm, bringing, I'm gonna bring three boards. Um, I'm bringing. Uh, I'm bringing a blur, which is kind of like a little longer, narrower, kind of step-up board, and then I'm bringing my round nose blur that I was talking about, that Asim 7.3. and then I'm bringing um, another backup round nose blur, um, uh, same exact size. So those three boards, and um, yeah, it'll be fun. There's a good. There's a good forecast, so I'm stoked. And yeah, buddy, um, it's, gonna
0: be, it's gonna be a really fun trip. Are we going to see some photos of you and Barrels at Cloudbreak?
1: Oh, I. You know what? If I could just get one, then I'll get back in the boat. And i <laughs> <it. laughs> Yesterday,
0: after, uh, after I recorded with Kiahi, he, he told me that he, they just released the movie Living the Stoke 2, which I guess okay. came out a little while ago, but I hadn't seen it yet. You have to buy yeah. it. So I bought it and watched it. Uh, pretty decent movie. Cool. He gets kegged at Cloudbreak. Yeah. That's Bye.
1: one thing, like, is like. I think he's just like, you know, on top of his game. His barrel riding on his SCP <laughs> man, he's he's so good at that. And I mean, he's got such good practice with that kiteboard. You know, like if you ever seen some of his kiteboard videos, like just like so crazy how
0: they get so tubed in the
1: in the and the lines just cutting through the lip. <laughs> it's it's nasty,
0: crazy. Man. Yeah, it's that's heavy. Um, Where you guys gonna surf mostly? Do you know?
1: Like... Um, well, I'm actually I'm going out to Kalama Camp to help Dave. Um, cool with his, his little program out there so um they they kind of uh set up on nemotu and okay. um which i've never been to Nomotu, so I'm, I'm super stoked i've been to um Taburu a couple times but it's been it's been over 10 years and without paddleboard so it'll be fun and um i'm stoked to see a new spot so um what i hear there's some fun ways on a right and the left and then obviously you could get on the boat and go to go to
0: Tavy if you want so um yeah we'll see we'll see what happens Ah, it's going to be so fun. I'm jealous, man. That'll be a good trip. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about your movie because that's something yeah. I, I think is really a cool thing you did for the sport. And that yeah, we're talking thanks. about the Sup movie. Um, and I believe it to be the first and possibly still only real surf movie for the sport. Everything else you've got is sort of the documentary style. How would that movie come about? Right. Um, talk talk through that, some of the trips. That was a, that was very cool thing you did
1: yeah yeah um yeah well sup pirates um yeah it was exactly just what you're saying i just wanted to make a sup surf movie you know i had had a couple cool guys on the team that were just frothy and and um you know we're getting some good footage and stuff i'm like man there's no just like surfing you know it's all about the glide and you know everything and the feel good and absolutely all those movies are great but you know there's just that's just all there was, so I'm like, man, I just want to see guys ripping, and there was at that time, there just wasn't a lot of lot out there, you know, not even on YouTube or nothing, and so I're like, all right, I don't have a ton of money, but somehow I gotta make this video, so I convinced my buddy John Armin um I'm gonna look, come with me on all these trips, you know whatever, I'll pay for your food, whatever I gotta do, <laughs> let's make a movie, you know, and um so I we just went, I mean, it's mostly filmed in California, you know, and California is so cool because you can go to Big Sur, or NorCal, you can go to Baja, you know, even around SoCal and get a lot of footage. So we, most of it's there. Um, we did take one big trip to um, Taiwan with uh, something mag, and I, I got John actually the camera gig for that thing, which he was stoked, and I was stoked because I knew I could use the footage sometime later. But um, So we went to Taiwan, and that was awesome because, you know, we're just trying to do what the short borders are doing, you know, like, and no one really went on like a trip like that, uh, you know, as suppers yet. So I mean, it really wasn't inventing anything. It's just like, man, let's just do it. Let's go. And came back with footage and, and then it was all about, um, you know, editing it a way that I thought was aesthetically cool and pick some, some of my favorite tunes. And then,
0: um, How'd you get the music rights for all that? Because there's some great songs in there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, well, it, there's a method to that. Like obviously, there is no rights to that at all. That's why you know this, the, in a cool way, on accident, this this movie's so underground because you know I couldn't sell it. You know, so um, I actually printed 1,500 of them and just gave them away to people or whatever, and um, and then it was just online. We did we did a um, we did a pr- the premiere, the world premiere online. You know, as a live thing. And just did it that way, and you know, if you see the title "Sub Pirates," you know it's spelled with like you know it's five u p p one r a t e five. So you couldn't even search for it, you know, back then you write "Sub Pirates" and it wouldn't come up. So it almost like made people frustrated. You know, I would get emails like, "Hey, man, I can't find your video. Ah, like what do I do?" I heard about it, and it almost made it cooler, you know, like because people were, you know, they were frustrated they couldn't find it, so they were doing everything they could to find to find the video. So kind of went viral a little bit for, you know, for whatever. And, um, that, yeah, that was just fun. And, um, yeah, we're going to make another one for sure.
0: Right on, man. I'm, I'm excited to watch that next one. Um, you are a gold medalist on the 2014, 2015,
1: uh, ISA 15, 15, yeah, it's
0: 15. This, it was last May. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how was that experience?
1: Oh man. Like super fun. I mean, to be selected to the isa team you know i mean how many slots are there there's you know there's like six slots and i mean they only take two surfers so how do you pick two surfers out of everyone who rips in america you know and so for me to be you know 39 and a father and whatever i mean it's just a, a hoot really is how i could describe it to be a part of that and and um you know earn my earn my way on the team and participate and you know be in the mix and um Yeah, it was just—it was really, really cool. That's definitely a feather in my cap that I always wanted to do. Ever since Sean Pointer won the gold medal, I think in 2013, it was his first one. Um, When he did that, I was like, "Man, I want to make that team." So it took me three years, and um, I'm stoked. Yeah, I made it. It was fun, and I mean, everyone just killed it. You know, it was the first time uh, Australia didn't win the gold, and um, first, obviously, first time U.S. has won it. So everybody. I mean, everybody killed it. Danny Ching got a gold medal. You know, Jack Bark got gold medals. Candace Appleby got gold medals. Mm-hmm. Izzy, Sean, both both gold medals. And then, you know, all the, like, bread and butter, you know. It's, it's so crucial. It's so funny how it works. You know, like, just Slater and Chuck Glynn, like, just being in the mix is so important. Just all those little points and Carter Graves and, you know, Steve Schlens, our other prone guy. And it's funny, like, you know, I didn't do as good as I... Obviously, would hope for, um, um, but it like I, I did just good enough, you know. Like I, I beat like our, our biggest competition was Australian, so we're all laid down, we're all kind of getting eliminated. Um, I finished just one spot ahead of the next closest Australian. So, <laughs> I mean, in a weird way, like my job was to, be like, hey, obviously we'll make the final, make a medal, but really we have to be ahead of the Australians. So, you know, when I lost. It was cool, we were off to a good start. You know, me and me and Sean both won our first two rounds and we're off and running and I'm feeling good and then and then I just got smoked and, and you know, you're just bummed. You feel it's so different when you lose just a regular comp. Like I could get over that pretty easy, but like since it's a team, it's just so crazy how bummed you feel because you're like, Oh man, Ian Barnes is gonna be so bummed, like oh I can't even look at Sean. You know, you just feel like you let everybody down. So I was so bummed and then and that's where like someone like Ian who's so you know, so integral to that team. You know, he's, you know he says it in his like Ian voice, like mate. You know, shake it off, mate. You, you beat the Aussies. You got the job done. You know, <laughs> and uh, so you know it was just cool. It made me feel good. It made me feel like I did something. And then. It was funny. I ended up being like the caddy for everybody, right? So they were calling me the Midas Touch because I was handing out gold medals, right? And You know, just giving me it. – it was just so fun. You know, guys are like, bro, you got a caddy for me. I need that gold. You know, it's just so funny. And um, just the camaraderie and all the, all the countries, how stoked they are and um, how rad it was for Sayulita. I mean, man, Mexico rallied behind their team so good and, and um, you know, Bicho – he was like leading the distance race, like in his hometown, just crazy stuff, you know. Coming to the beach, families crying, the <laughs> whole it's it's crazy. You honestly felt like you're in the Olympics, and um, they did a great job with the webcast. And what a rad experience, man! I it it it's just cool. That's amazing.
0: Um, you you dropped some big names there talking about folks on the team. Uh, yeah. Let's segue into who inspires you on a surfing side, and then who inspires you on a Shaping side.
1: Yeah. Uh well I mean just regular surfing, I've always been a huge fan of Rob Machado. Um I just think his style is just awesome. Um just so pleasing to look at and you know, he rides all these different boards super good and and uh and he's good foot. I like good footers <laughs> And then uh as sub wise you know, it's just it's all those younger dudes, you know, they're all pushing it, you know, like Mo and Kylani and um I really like Giorgio, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. And, uh, and then there's older guys like Dave Kalama, you know, he's just so technically fundamentally sound. Um, he just rips all power in the right, in the right part of the wave uses his paddle, doesn't over, overuse it when he doesn't, he doesn't need it. Just smooth. Um, so all those kind of guys plan to, you know, me just getting psyched to go surf, um, for sure. What about shapers? Um, well, shapers, yeah, I mean, that's an easy one, you know, uh, you know, my dad's been my biggest influence there, um, just with his forward thinking and open-mindedness and, and then, um, obviously my brother, my brother too, my brother, um, you know, he, the way he designs boards is kind of more mathematical, you know, cause he's just like a smart cat and, um, he's really into the performance side of shortboards, you know, like the formula one car shortboard stuff, you know, and, um. So it's just rad to see how he thinks about stuff, you know, scientifically, where I'm more aesthetically and by feel. And then um, as far as SUP, I think, uh, you know, Pat Rawson's doing some awesome things. You know, Pat's a family friend and he's actually mentored my brother in the shape room a little bit. And um, I think he's really important for SCP, um just because, you know, his his uh, his status in, in surf shaping, you know, someone of his status embracing SEP And making really cool things for a really good surfer, I mean, says a lot. And um, so Pat's Pat's doing a good job. And it's really cool. Like, In an ironic way, Pat and my dad were both inducted into the Shaper Hall of Fame um, together on the same same day. Um, Was it this year or last year? I think it was earlier this year. And that was rad ceremony. Um, So there's a lot of synergies there. And uh, yeah, so those would
0: be my guys for sure. That's a good list. That's a super yeah. good list. Um, so, folks out there probably don't know this, but I met you, Dave, uh, here in Nosara because you come down to Nassara to hang out with a good friend of mine, Nate, who runs Nassara Paddle Surf, and you do some yep. work with Nate, and we work with Colin, and it seems like we should be competitors, but at the end of the day, we're just all friends and hang out. Um, you got Absolutely. any trips planned with Nate this year?
1: Yeah, you know, we kind of um, we keep it pretty loose, you know, Nate. You know, you guys have your six months of the season and, you know, he's busy doing his thing. But, um, you know, it's just kind of fun to collaborate with people. I'm a big, big, uh, you know, big guy on doing collaborations and just kind of having these little cool, fun alliances. That make sense. And nate has been a big part of that. You know, we do a little we call it an infinity skills, sub skills camp, you know, that we do a week, um, sometimes two weeks a year with nate down there just um just have a fun time surfing you know try to get better learn about um you know you do, you'll do some skill stuff like stroke technique and you know just surfing we do some video shoot some photos and just hang out have some fun and uh you no know, is beautiful so um you know as you know it's just it's one of those places that you want to go back to you know it's just a cool cool vibe and um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun running into you guys and just surfing, and we call we call that one wave the Blue Zone wave, <laughs> the one you guys always surf uh, down by Osties. Uh, oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's uh, actually that's called Pains. I named that.
1: Okay. Yeah, we just call it Blue Zone wave because we don't know what it's called. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's called, it's called Pains because I've been hurt there. Well, a bunch of us have been hurt there so many times, and it's in front of a good friend of mine. His last name is Payne's house. We yeah. Line up right on the corner. There's a little rip that comes out right there, and it makes yeah. that. It makes a little right bowl.
1: It looks fun. That's for sure. We we actually always kind of check it out, and I, I, we've never paddled out yet. I, you know, um, it's kind of funny, but um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's no, cool. That's a cool little zone. I love it. Yeah, man. No, well, hopefully you get back down here this year. We'll get get some time in the water. I'll get you to bring me down a surfboard.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be there in February. So I'll I'll, I'll work on getting a bigger board bag right now. Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, closing thoughts. What do you want to leave everybody with?
1: Yeah, man. This uh, has been,
0: this is, so everybody but real quick, this is Dave and I's second round at this. And it's because <laughs> last week when we did it, I was feeling all sick and decided I was going to cancel, going to cancel on Dave. And I decided not to, but I decided I should drink an, an incredible amount of espresso right before we, we got it. And it was <laughs> terrible. I mean, I was yeah. bouncing all over the place and we, I mean, it's, there's some good stuff in there, and I'll probably cut it up and put some stuff out because. But as far as listening to it as a show, you'd have to be um, on, AD, on A D on like Ritalin or something to get yeah. by. It'd yeah, it difficult. felt
1: choppy, it felt weird. So uh, yeah. yeah, round two. Round two.
0: <laughs> this one's been a lot better.
1: <laughs> it must it must have been because I'm coming from the the Blur Bunker in my van. I'm gonna do all my interviews in a, in my van now.
0: Yeah, as long as you can get that person with the drill to stop.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That's just, no knuckleheads next door
0: uh, um all right man closing thoughts and 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 thanks for being a part of the show this has been fun
1: yeah no i mean i t- just want to thank you and paddle Woo. you know i think you guys are doing a super cool thing for you know the sport in general just uh you know there's not a lot of you know performance stuff out there so it's super cool um you know talking to all of us so thanks for the opportunity to uh be a voice on this and uh yeah i just want to thank you know just my parents and all my friends and everybody who's just a fan of infinity you know we work super hard and doesn't get any easier, you know, always gets harder, but we do it for the fun of it and yeah, just appreciate uh all the all the love and support and uh yeah, I just wanna say hi to my six year old daughter Ember and my two year old son Strider. I'm gonna make you guys listen to this, so what's up you guys? <laughs> <laughs> the whole hour. <laughs> yeah, full hour. Sit there, do not move. Uh so funny. But uh yeah, man. Other than that, see in the water and uh Yeah, thanks, Eric. Appreciate it, man. I'll see you soon.
0: All right, buddy. Thank you.
1: All right. It's the
0: Paddleboot Podcast. I noticed on your board uh, all your sponsors but there was one I didn't know. What's owned? Uh.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's kind of a crazy one. It's a, it's the Oprah Winfrey Network.